Welcome to the Touchdown Jaguars podcast. Here are your hosts, James Johnson and Phil Smith. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Touchdown Jaguars podcast. I am your co-host, Phil Smith, and joining me is your other co-host, James Johnson. And Jay, we are getting to record here, uh, actually on a Sunday, since the Jaguars played so early in the day. Of course, with it being their uh, yearly trip out to London uh, here at Wembley Stadium. And uh, we are luckily on the cusp of a Victory Monday. So excited to talk about that. Jay, it always makes these episodes a little bit easier uh, when the Jaguars do win. Albeit, there are definitely some things they need to correct as they prepare for a much tougher opponent next week in the Buffalo Bills. But we will stay in the now, enjoy the victory, and talk about you know the good, the bad, and maybe where we see room for improvement. And of course, we're going to dive into what we thought of the uh, the Toy Story broadcast, which I think was a lot of fun. So Jay, uh, with all that being said, how are you doing here tonight? And yeah, excited to talk about a win. Yeah, much better than last week um, in terms of how I'm doing. Uh, like you said, some things to clean up, of course, and still some concerns and whatnot. But the bottom line is the Jacksonville Jaguars beat a team that they should have beaten, you know, unlike they did the week before against the Texans. So, you know, there's that, that they're winning when they should win. Of course, everybody that has followed our podcast for many, many years know that I live in Georgia as well. So I've been, you know, a long time follower of the Falcons, too. That's my second team. So, you know, that was a team that just watching them earlier in the season and watching the Jaguars, and, and when I say watching the Falcons, when I could watch the Falcons, that is, because I'm normally watching the Jags. They play at the same time. Uh, but, yeah, just watching what i seen from the Falcons earlier in this year and watching what i seen from the Jaguars, it was a game that, you know, on paper, just looking at those two teams, um, it looks like, you know, we, we felt like the Jaguars were the favorites coming in. It's good to see it actually translated to the field this time. Um, so that being said, man, can't wait to talk about that. And as you said, the Toy Story broadcast, which, um, you know, we were really excited about if, you know, everybody listens to the episodes from uh, the episode that is from two weeks ago where they first announced it. Uh, we were super excited about that, um, just like the game it had its kinks, too, but did not disappoint. So, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that as well. Yeah, a lot of stuff to break down here on this week's episode. So excited to get into it. I uh, just want to welcome in any brand new listeners to the Touchdown Jaguars podcast. Appreciate you guys checking us out. If you want to find uh, any of our social media links, they are in the link tree link of this episode. You'll find everything you need. Uh, Twitter is where we are the most active, especially during the games um, and all throughout the week as we tweet out you know, uh, injury reports. Uh, different breakdowns, everything you need to know leading into the game. Also, you'll find a link to download the SeatGeek app so you can save yourself $20 by using our promo code TOUCHDOWNJAGUARS. Once again, shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. And uh, again, use that promo code TOUCHDOWNJAGUARS. Save yourself some money. Get yourself some tickets. The next home game here in Jacksonville is uh, October 14th. And I checked just uh, actually a couple hours ago. Plenty of tickets available for that game. Uh, take advantage of of that promo code. Uh, but Jay, let's go ahead and just jump right into this here. I want to start with the Toy Story broadcast. I know there were some mixed feelings about it on Twitter, but overall, I mean, I think for the very first time they were doing this, it was pretty cool. Uh, obviously, there are some technicalities they need to work out. Um, you know, the one-to-one -one 
ball placement and you know tracking the players didn't work perfectly. But for what it was, I think it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed seeing like people tweeting out that their kids were really enjoying it because that's who that was for, right? Just like the Nickelodeon broadcast playoff game from a couple years ago. Ultimately, this was an, a good opportunity for kids that maybe are interested in football but didn't know, uh, you know, fully how the game operates. This is who this benefits, and obviously for nostalgic purposes as well. Seeing all the Toy Story characters was really cool. So. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Toy Story broadcast? Would you like to see them do it again? And I also want to throw out the idea that I had in our group chat. Like, they should do this in other Disney universes, too. Like, I threw out Wreck-It Ralph. Do you have any other suggestions of other universes that you think would work within the Disney universe? And uh, But yeah, what were your overall thoughts on uh, Toy Story Sunday Funday? Yeah, man, I, I liked it. As you said, you know, of course, the main target was, you know, were kids. Uh, but also millennials, too, you know, people who grew up watching the initial Toy Story and just kind of we for the most part, we've all followed it. You know, people who were around for the first Toy Story, we followed it throughout its entirety. But, yeah, I thought it was neat. A lot of um, I'll say I thought it was neat. And I think the most impressive part about it or the most interesting part about it was seeing all of these toys that we've grown to know and love, you know, and seeing them in Andy's room for years and years, seeing how they played into the whole ordeal of having a game right there played in his room. For example, uh, one of the first things you notice in the background is Slinky Dog back there as the first down marker. I thought that was neat. Uh, Mr. Spell, which is the, um, some of you all probably had one of these back in the day. I know I did, but the little, a uh, spelling typewriter machine that, uh, you know, aided kids with spelling and stuff back in the day. Uh, they were called VTEX when we had them. I think that was the company named VTEC. But Mr. Spell, uh, when the Jaguars would score a touchdown, spelling out Duval, you know, to kind of celebrate. Um, and then, you know, just seeing like Woody and, and Buzz and all of them dance and all of that during, you know, cel- uh, touchdowns and, and what have you. Um, and of course, Duke Kaboom, the halftime show, don't know if anybody has seen it yet, but spoiler, cut out this last 10 seconds if you don't want to get it spoiled or have it spoiled. But he made the jump. But seeing Duke Kaboom on the halftime show, that was neat. Um, like you said, um, I, I think like, you know, it's a lot of kinks that need to be worked out in terms of calibrations and stuff. Like, you know, it was times where the touchdown passes when hitting the, the receivers in the hands or whatever the case may be. But look, man, it was a, the first time doing it. When they first announced this, me and you said it, we were like, we're very interested in seeing how they'll make this work. That also was how will the technology work? And we knew that it wouldn't be flawless or it wouldn't be perfect. But, yeah, they can build upon this and make it better in the future. Um, It was definitely neat also seeing uh, our favorite players out there on the field in the form of uh, Toy Story uh, figures or figure, uh, figures, should I say. And um, yeah, man, I would like to see some other universes brought into it. I would like to see them circle around to the Toy Story thing, too. But like you said, Wreck-It Ralph, is a, that's so pretty. Even though I've never seen that movie, I do. I'm a big video game guy. So like that one is one that I would like to see and see how it would translate. It's a few others that you know, just not coming off the top of my head right now because we've all seen countless Disney movies. But for some reason, I'm blanking out on some other ideas. But 
Yeah, it's it's a whole bunch of universes in the Disney realm that they can go to and 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 you know kind of build these games off of. Time will tell what they do in the future. Um, but whatever they do or whatever universe they you know go to, I'll definitely be watching it. And I actually will go back and watch the Toy Story um telecast as well in its entirety because I was just watching it off and on. So I want to go back and watch the full thing and just see like how that went in terms of like just watching it fully and just kind of get it from the pers- the perspective of like how the kids saw it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like you said, the slinky dog thing I thought was really funny. Uh, the Duke Kaboom halftime show, a lot of fun. So overall, I think this was a success despite the technical difficulties that I mean, again, there's going to be some give and take with that. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be a little rough. Uh, but overall, I thought it was really solid. They captured the uh, like the Trevor Lawrence, like uh, shiftiness really well. The Bijan Robinson juke of Chad Muma obviously was uh, was really entertaining. But overall, I think this was a success and hope they do it more. Uh, Big Hero 6 is another universe that comes to mind. I'm just thinking of like specific um, digital renderings as far as Disney films that would work. Obviously, it'd be a little bit more difficult as far as the films that are uh, where there's a lot of, you know, a lot more hand drawing and, you know, the old school type of Disney films. But I think this could definitely work with other properties. And again, it's always just fun when they embrace something silly and, you know, give uh, people the opportunity to experience something a little bit differently. But let's go ahead and get into the game here, Jay. Uh, the Jaguars beat the Atlanta Falcons 23 to 7. Um, looked like they were going to really, really run away with this and make it a little bit of a blowout. It was this was 17-0 heading into the half, but they left a lot of points on the board. And I know that's been a kind of a point of contention with some people on Jaguar Twitter. I mean, overall, I'm always going to be in the camp, Jay, of, hey, enjoy the win, but it's also okay to be critical. But I mean, overall, they, they got the victory. And I think this was a step in the right direction. You know, obviously, they have been struggling, starting with the Kansas City game. Um, and then, of course, last week, what happened? Yes, there were points left on the board. Yes, at moments, I think some of the play calling is still a little bit questionable and the decision making also being a little bit questionable. So, Jay, how do you feel now, uh, of course, as opposed to how you felt last week? Uh, they have a big time opponent uh, next week against Buffalo. So I think getting some of the uh, the things out of the way that they needed to work on here against the Falcons was a must. And I think they did that for the most part, but they still need some fine tuning heading into week five. Yeah, I agree. And I I think a lot of it is that, you know, we just had higher expectations of the Jaguars. So, you know, when they don't beat the Falcons or leave, I don't even want to say beat the Falcons handily, but leave points on the board, that'll kind of, you know, linger in your mind and kind of, you know, make it feel a little bit disappointing. Or, um, you know, make it feel as if they didn't meet our expectations. But again, going back to what I said earlier in the podcast, I just wanted to see them be able to beat a team that they were supposed to beat after last week and how that went. And, you know, the week before it was more so they hurt themselves or as opposed to, you know, beating a team that's less talented. So and I'm referring to the, the week before that was the Kansas City Chiefs. So. Um, you know, this is a big win from the perspective of we all had that thought in our mind, like it's going to be a hard of tough week for us if the Jaguars came out of this game without a victory. So they got that at the very least. Again, you know, as you said, Phil, 
a lot of things need to be cleaned up. And it was some things that I believe that need to be cleaned up that people aren't talking about either. And me and you kind of talked about this as well. But it was some small things that will hurt you against another team outside of uh, the situation where they didn't come away in, from the red zone with any points. And what I'm talking about is, for example, small things like when Andre Cisco got the pick, right? Fumbled the ball. Luckily for Ye, Lewican was right there to recover it behind him. Good teams probably, you know, probably scooped that up and is going back in the other direction. Another one, Darius Williams, who we'll talk about later in this podcast because he had a great game, by the way. I think he had the pick and three pass breakups. But Darius Williams um, dropping the pick, leaving a pick on the field, you know, and I guess we can't like that's being nitpicky at this point because Darius Williams gave us a lot in terms of a return um, in this game. But things like that, you know, you need things like that to beat the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, the the fumble Evan Ingram had, although he had a first down, I think Jesse Bates hit him, but he had a fumble, was able to recover it. Good teams will jump on that and, and take that back. And, you know, the the defense has to trot out on the field all of a sudden. So those were some of the little things, too, as well, in addition to a lot of the things everybody else is complaining about that caught my eyes. But as I said, and we'll, you know, more so talk about them, you know, later down the road. Um, the good news is that they have some momentum from a win. And also the Bills have to travel, you know, cross seas to the U.K., the Jaguars will already be acclimated. And also something me and you talked about earlier is you never know what you're going to get with the Bills either. You know, they look great today, but you never know when the bad Josh Allen is going to wake up. And I'm not talking about our Josh Allen, of course, but the bad Josh Allen is going to show up and, you know, give the Jaguars ample opportunities like he did the year, you know, Urban Meyer was here and they, you know, they lost to the Jags during Urban Meyer's tenure. So, as much as it looks like the Bills are a favorite right now, um, I, I can guarantee you that Bills fans are probably looking at it as like, you know, this is a dangerous game for us because we got to travel there. And also, you know, Josh Allen, you know, not necessarily now or this week for week four, but in the past has shown the ability to cost this team games dearly. And that's a key because this Jaguars defense, albeit they had the one bad week uh, last week against the Texas, this Jazz defense is a very opportunistic defense. No, they're not a top 10 defense, but a very opportunistic defense. Um, and I think it was the Cabreras that mentioned this on Twitter. And they're very right about that. Shout outs to Aaron uh, Cabrera and, and Tony Cabrera. But the Jaguars opportunistic defense is exactly the type of defense that could beat Josh Allen in terms of, you know, making these turnovers count, this, that, and the other. But again, we'll more so talk on that next week, hopefully on the Victory Monday episode. But overall, I will not ever complain about coming on this podcast and having to speak for a Victory Monday podcast because we've lost so many games in the past that I take no win for granted here on Touchdown Jaguars. Yeah, and, you know, not to look ahead too much and especially on the negative side, but Two and three is a lot easier to climb out of than one and uh, one and four, and especially in this division. I mean, everybody is two and two. A lot of people peg this as the weakest division in football. Um, it is kind of shaping out to be that way. But you know, you the Jaguars want to put themselves in a position, obviously, to kind of you know continue to or, or try and run away with this thing 
as the rest of the teams figure each other out. Now, listen, we talk about the Houston Texans loss, but that may end up being uh, the team that we're fighting down to the wire with as far as winning this division. They look pretty good, Jay. And that quarterback, I know we talked about him last week. (laughs) That Texans team is going to get better pretty fast because of the moves they made uh, in the offseason. They totally dismantled the Steelers here today with another great performance by C.J. Stroud. So, uh, yeah, that is going to be they may be this year's Jacksonville Jaguars, which is unfortunate, uh, I think, for us. Yeah, when they had that draft, me and you were in, you know, we were at the Jags facility, not the new facility, but we're in the press box at the time. Um, and when they, you know, when they picked up Anderson, when they picked up Stroud, who, again, I always said was the quarterback I would take first overall um, if I was the pan- uh, were the Panthers. But instead, you know, they went a different direction. But me and you looked at each other when we were looking at the moves the Texans made in the first round. We looked at each other and literally like, uh oh, you know, type of thing. So, again, it, it is early and they are a young team. And we'll have to see if they can sustain this, uh, because that's that's kind of one thing you have to watch with a young team and a young head coach. Um, maybe it's a surge for now and then, like. As we get further down the road, you know, maybe they kind of take some losses there. Uh, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, but, I, I, yeah, the, the Texans could very well be a team that's better than we thought they were. And they might <laughs> – that, that draft class does give them a huge boost to becoming a, a, a good team faster uh, than most are expecting. And also part of it, too, the part I want to add on to this is Balky – and the offseason plan was kind of one where the Jaguars didn't improve all that much. Now, look, yeah, we got Calvin Ridley, of course. But, you know, that was a move made towards the trade the trade deadline last year. But in terms of, like, free agency moves is what I guess how I would put it in terms of those kind of additions. We picked up guys that didn't really even make the roster. Remember some names I can't that's. I'm blanking out on right now on the defensive line. Like uh, Michael Dogby just hit me. That was one of them. And uh, I think his name was Montro uh, that we got. I think he used to be with Steelers or maybe the Giants or something like that. Two people that didn't even make the team, if I'm if I can recall correctly. So that's what happens when you have these type of off seasons where you don't improve that much outside of one move, especially when you're a team that's not one move away. The Jaguars weren't necessarily one move away from becoming a Super Bowl team or I guess I would say a playoff team that, you know, that can put together consistent playoff berths. They weren't one player away from that. And, you know, the way that Balky handled this offseason didn't really bolster the pass rush, which really hasn't been an issue aside from the Texans game, but didn't really bolster the pass rush didn't really improve the offensive line like we were hoping for, maybe. That's what happens when you get a little bit complacent. I saw the offseason that we had as a little bit as complacent. And then you have the Texans who use all of their assets correctly, not just in the draft, but they got, you know, like Dalton Schultz and free agency. So it went beyond the draft for them. Teams will close that gap on you a little bit quicker than expected. And I think that's what we're seeing here. But that's not to say that the Jacksonville Jaguars um, can't win the division because at the end of the day, they have the answer at quarterback. They have the answer at head coach if, you know, he 
will just take over and be the play caller that we saw when he was, you know, with the Eagles in 2017 and stop trying to let Press Taylor, you know, kind of get a head coach opportunity or whatever the case may be. We talked about that last week. Doug Peterson should be calling the plays for this team because he is by far the best play caller in that staff. For that reason alone, he needs to be calling the plays. I I hope that would change. I don't think that is going to change. Hopefully that'll change because that was something also that surfaced too was the play calling, which with the schedule the Jaguars have, the play calling is good enough to get them back into the play uh the playoffs, I think. But at the same time, the play calling isn't as good as it could be because Doug Peterson again is by far a better play caller than Press Taylor. But I digress from my point. Well, yeah, LeJay, I mean, listen, we don't want to make this all about the next few games. We want to try and focus on the, the now, but they have a hell of a schedule coming up. I mean, they got Buffalo. Um, obviously, you have Indy at home, and we know how that typically goes. But again, you can't totally rule it out with those divisional games. Uh, then you have the Thursday night game against the Saints. Uh, you got Pittsburgh, who has been obviously all over the place uh, so far. Um, then you got the Niners and Titans as far as the uh, the next uh, that's the next six opponents. So, listen, we don't know how long this division is going to stay where everybody is is middling, right? Again, as I said, you want to be in a position to have a pretty comfortable game lead. I think leading into the final uh, or the the second half of the season, uh, that would certainly be nice. Take advantage of a division that again is relatively weak and. Um, but you know they're going to have some really really tough matchups coming up here uh, down the stretch. So uh, what else did you see, Jay? I mean, obviously we saw Josh Allen again have another big day, and I think and 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 tell me if you agree with me. This three sack performance or this this performance from Josh Allen, I think, was more impressive than his Colts performance. Do you agree with that? And uh, do you think he'll be able to uh, um, you know put more of these games together? He did acknowledge in his post game press conference. He felt like he let the team down last week against uh, um, against Houston and uh, left some plays out on the table for him to make. So uh, what do you think about Josh Allen? Are we going to see more consistency from him? Because we're certainly going to need it uh, for the remainder of the year um, as you know, Trayvon Walker continues to struggle in terms of a pass rush or developing a pass rush. And then we all know what to not expect from number 45. I don't even want to say his name. We all know who we're talking about. So. Yeah, talk a little bit on Josh Allen and his day. Yeah, I would say that this performance is a little bit more impressive than the Colts' performance. Again, we kind of talked about the Colts' performance could have been a little bit a case of Richardson hanging on to the ball a little bit. Uh, you know, a young kid in his first NFL game. But the reason I say that this one might be a little bit more impressive than the Colts' performance, um, not just from that perspective of, you know, p- playing a rookie quarterback and that might have helped Josh Allen, but also, Josh Allen is now playing injured. He sustained an injury, what, two weeks ago, so he's battling a shoulder injury. I'm not saying that he's, like, less than 50% or something, but, um, you know, he's definitely not 100%, so there's that. Again, I, you know, I still stick by what we've said for many, many years here, and that's that he's not a number one caliber pass rusher, and they need a number one caliber pass rusher next to him for him to thrive, so I do think that somewhere down the road, they need to get some help in their 
during the trade deadline. That would be nice. We'll see. And time will tell on that. Uh, but at the same time, I do get where people are coming from saying that they need to resign him. Again, the key to that, though, is you're going to have to pay him, in my opinion, and pay a number one talent or a one caliber um, pass rusher as well if you want to continue with Josh Allen, which is going to cost you more money. So, you know, we'll see what the right way to go about that is and what route the Jacksonville Jaguars take. But all of that said, uh, certainly definitely happy with the performance Josh Allen gave. Would be nice to see if he can, you know, bring that into next week. And that's kind of been his thing is consistency, right? You know, he'll kind of he's one of those guys that kind of shows up every two or three or so games instead of, you know, on a week to week basis. Uh, But again, hopefully he shows up next week and has a game against the Bills like we saw him have many, many years ago in the infamous Josh Allen versus Josh Allen battle. And also uh, to add on to that real quick, Phil, also the good news is that he's going to get some help. Again, now this is not help that would necessarily make me veer away from trading for a number one caliber pass rusher before the November deadline or whenever it is. Uh, But he'll get Dewan Smoot back maybe next week. We'll see. That'll be something to monitor. Uh, But again, Dewan's coming off an Achilles injury like we mentioned last year. And a a player's performance after those are kind of hit or miss. We don't know what we're going to get there. And eventually when they return to the States, it looks like they'll get uh, Devon Hamilton back as well because I don't think he traveled with the team. So they'll have to wait to until after the London trip to get him. But those are some other things to factor into, you know, Josh Allen's performance and the possibility of the pass rush to uh, take another step within the next few weeks. Yeah. And, and Jay, uh, not to veer too off course here, but what what's that number for Josh Allen? Because it's not Nick Bosa money, right? I mean, they, there's no way they can give him that kind of contract based off of his performance. Uh, what is that number for Josh Allen that you would feel comfortable with as far as paying him to keep him around? Because uh, you know he's not going to stick around on the cheap. Uh, you know what? That's a good question, Phil, in terms of contracts. Just looking at over the cap here, uh, maybe Max Crosby uh, figures, who could be another guy that people want us to trade for eventually because the Raiders aren't doing too great right now. So that's another thing that's kind of gaining some steam as to if uh, people wondering if he'll want to leave actually um, from Las Vegas, I almost said Oakland, but maybe along the lines of Max Crosby figures, just looking at, don't know the totality of the contract, but it guarantees um, 53 million. So maybe something along the lines of that, Dan, looking at some others here, you have something like Harold Landry. He's making $52.5 million guaranteed. So that's, you know, somewhere along those lines is where I would maybe put his contract if it's like a longer term deal of three to four years. Uh, but I would have to dig into it a little bit more to, to find out exactly all of the details and the numbers on these contracts. But in terms of guarantees, maybe that's something along the lines of those two contracts that I mentioned that you might want to give him. But I think the key with with Josh Allen is that he knows that if he hits the market, somebody's going to overpay him because people always overpay in free agency and they especially overpay at premium positions. So it could be more so one of those situations where the Jaguars 
may have to decide if they want to franchise him or not, because I don't see Trent Baalke coming to a deal easily with Josh Allen. And I don't necessarily think that Josh Allen would be a player that's easy to come to a deal for, for the reason I, I mentioned is because he, he knows that he'll probably be overpaid on the pass rusher market. So it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens there heading forward. Um, and time will tell, but as we all know, and Demetrius said this in the podcast, he was on a few months ago. It's, we all know Trent Baalke has a set figure that he'll offer to you, and he doesn't like to move too far off of that. And that could probably make for a a messy situation heading forward. But then again, uh, we don't know just yet. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. You know, obviously with uh, the the Josh Allen contract will be a nice precursor uh, to the looming Trevor Lawrence deal that is uh, incoming. As we've seen all these other quarterbacks get their money, uh, we will see how that goes. Uh, but Jay. Anything else you want to mention here? Uh, we kind of try to, we might wrap this one up a little early. We've been having some technical issues here tonight. Uh, I'm a little under the weather. It's a, kind of a perfect storm for just a, a bad night of podcasting. It happens for any of you that are listening that are also podcasters. And it's just part of the game. But anything else you want to mention here, Jay, uh, as far as this victory? Um, again, a lot, I think, to build on here. Uh, Christian Kirk even acknowledged, yes, they uh, they got a little bit on track here today, but they have a long way to go. Um, hopefully they can put even more of that together next week against Buffalo. Take advantage of a team that has not been in London for a couple of weeks, you know. So anything else you want to mention before we look ahead to their matchup with the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, well, um, wanted to add that special teams look better. That's another thing that we can build on. Uh, despite this not being the most fulfilling win. Again, you'll never see me not taking a win for granted, but this your special teams look better. I've always said that I think we have like a, a top 10 ish special teams unit. And um, what we saw last week was just abysmal. Glad they were able to get over that. A lot of things just as see next week's uh, or listen to next week's uh, last week's episode to see what we said about that. But a lot just went fundamentally wrong for the special teams unit. So a lot of things got cleaned up. Um, they'll probably get Jamal Agnew back too, by the way. I know he missed the game and that might make some people say, uh, I don't want Jamal Agnew back, but as a returner, he helps his team. No doubt. Uh, it's just his struggles as a receiver. So if he's returning as a returner, that's great. And, um, they can build upon the performance that we saw out of the special teams today. And then also too, a, a key thing is we talked about getting some people back. What about getting Cam Robinson back? Uh, that could be huge as well. Now, we saw some struggles out of Cam in the preseason, but that could be huge from the sense or the standpoint that they'll get more power up front. We kind of talked about that. They lack a lot of power up front, and they kind of hinted at that today, too, when they said, uh, when they asked Doug why they started Shatley over Barch, and he basically said that Atlanta has a bigger defensive line, and they thought that Shatley would help them more so um, in, in this scenario for this particular game. But now, you know, they get Cam Robinson back for, from suspension. Hopefully he hits the ground running and you can maybe move Walker Little into guard. And that, that helps this team tremendously because they've been struggling on short yarded situations and just overthinking the play call in there. Um, so maybe when he returns, that helps Press Taylor from a play caller perspective. We'll see and time will tell. But those were the other two things I wanted to add, man. Still, nonetheless, happy about the win. And, um, you know, although we could be 
more so three and one than two and two right now. Um, I'll take it and uh, can't wait for the Bills next week. Yeah, I also want to point out one thing, Jay, while we're on the topic of special teams. Did you notice because last week we pointed out the, uh, the you know, the lack of effort from Andrew Wingard. A lot of people did that over on uh, Jaguar Twitter. I did notice. And again, this is not excusing him of being a um, uh, being a liability at times. And uh, the, the point that I still stand by is that he should have been replaced on this roster quite a long time ago. But that's neither here nor there. I did notice that because you had mentioned the the lack of effort from a captain is also what kind of bothered you, too. I did notice a couple times here uh, during the game, during the broadcast, he was just very present in a lot of moments. Remember early on in the game, uh, Brenton Strange had the, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the dumb call for the, uh, uh, what was it, the unnecessary roughness. And, uh, you know, he gets <laughs> standing there behind the coach, which is never where you want to be. I'm sure you can speak on that. Um, but I see Dewey Wingard, you know, coming up to him, giving him encouragement. I see him meeting Brandon McManus right after a field goal on the field, you know, dapping him up. Um, and I saw and there was another instance as well. I saw, I think, probably after the uh, the Calvin really touchdown, you know, he's right in the mix. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, if that's significant or not. But I did want to I, I want to give props where props are due, even when, you know, even for players that, you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of. I don't know if you noticed that, if that's even something that's worth pointing out. I just thought it was worth mentioning because of the, uh, you know, the big deal that was made of, and rightfully so, of his lack of effort on last week's debacle on that kickoff return. Right, right. Well, yeah, you know, the thing about this podcast, as you, as we've said, um, just as sure as we'll critique a player, the next week we don't mind coming back and, you know, praising that player if they, you know, up their play, which um, it's never like it, it for example, if Chase Sun started getting sacks and started playing <laughs> better, we wouldn't have a problem with praising him next week. Uh, but in terms of um, yeah, Wing- I, we don't have to worry about that, though. You know, so <laughs> I was about to say the same, but <laughs> you, you you beat me to it. But in terms of Wing, uh, in terms of Dewey, I didn't even like really pay that much attention. I did notice him, like you say, he 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 did feel a lot more present, not just from a leader perspective, but just in the game in general, I just saw him around the ball a little bit more and around the ball carry a little bit more. It felt like I'll have to go back and rewatch the game. And I, I now that you, you're mentioning it, I do feel like the special teams effort might have been a little bit better because I can recall somebody nearly blocking a punt, if I can recall. So it looks like they just, you know, had one of those let's sit down with the special teams coach and let's get cussed out and let's move on from this type of moments. And um, they, they did look better on special teams. And speaking of Brandon McManus, man, like the kicks he, he was making looked like he could have made it from, you know, another 10, 15 yards back. So that just kind of goes to show you what kind of leg they have there. If they block for him properly. And, um, you know, when, when he's on, he's on in terms of his kicking accuracy. So it'll be exciting to watch him heading forward. Um, as you know, a lot of people kind of had like some things to say, including me. Um, I was a little concerned myself about the move from Riley Patterson, but McManus, uh, he proved me, um, wrong, at least for this game. And I was impressed with what I saw in terms of them turning things around from the previous week. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out. I'll be interested to see if you see what I saw. As far as uh, you know, just him being more present on and off the field. So again, I know a lot of people are in the Dewey camp for 
one reason or another. And I just wanted to, again, as you said, we give props where props are due. And if you're going to be a captain on the team, then uh, you know you got to act like one. And it, it was nice to see him fulfill that role. And listen, we don't have cameras on the sideline. We don't have inside access to the the locker room. We're not saying that Andrew Wingard isn't a leader on the lo- uh, you know in the locker room, but you know we like to see the effort match uh, on and off the field, at least from what we are able to witness uh, with our eyes. You know, so just wanted to point that out. But Jay, anything else you want to? Any other talking points? You want to get to um, or any uh, any parting words before we get out of here and uh, wrap up this episode? It's been a, uh, <laughs> a rough one for us, but hey, there are going to be nights like this, and we just come back next week uh, better than ever. No, nah, man, we we covered it all pretty much in terms of the key talking points from you know them starting faster but leaving things on the field. Special teams got better; they're going to get healthier next week. Um, a few others that might come back, I think. They might get Gregory Jr. back, too. So that might be something to watch, too, because he can help them from a special teams perspective. And uh, I know a lot of people don't like Trey Herndon, even though he made some plays this this week. So that's another one that I forgot to mention. But we'll talk about that whenever he returns. But, yeah, man, I think we covered it all. And um, I'm kind of excited to, to meet this Bills team, albeit they look pretty good this week from what everybody has said. But again, um, you never know what you're getting with this Bills team. And also, they might be without Tredavious White. Uh, prayers for him. Get well soon for him. But it looks like they might be without him. Uh, he might have suffered a devastating Achilles injury. So that impacts this game a little bit, too, from the perspective of the passing game. Yeah, it'll be an exciting week of preparation. And then, uh, as we said, you know, you never know which Buffalo Bills team you're going to get. I think we all hope that we get the uh, week one Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills. But, you know, we will uh, we'll see. Also, if they do win this game, just prepare for all of the London Jaguar tweets. I uh, just want to get everybody prepped and uh, ready to go for all of that nonsense. But uh, nonetheless, we will be uh, anxiously anticipating uh, the next 930 a.m. kickoff, which I, I think went off pretty well this weekend. So uh, I was pretty tired, though. I got back in from Orlando at like 330 in the morning. Uh, then woke up to watch the game. So, but took a nice, uh, nice little nap there <laughs> afterwards. So it was, uh, it worked out pretty well. But folks, want to thank you for um, uh, checking out another episode of the Touchdown Jaguars podcast. As another reminder, you can find all of the links you need in the show notes at the Linktree link. You'll find Jay and I's personal social media pages as well as the uh, Twitter page for the uh, podcast itself, which is the best way to keep up with everything that is going on as we are constantly updating uh, uh, all of our pages throughout the entire week. Also, make sure you download that SeatGeek app. Uh, use that promo code Touchdown Jaguars. Save yourself $20. That way, when the Jaguars do make it back here to our side of the pond, uh, you can check them out October 14th against the Indianapolis Colts. So very much looking forward to that. Folks, that is my co-host, James Johnson. I am Phil Smith. And do not forget to tune in to Touchdown Jaguars for every Jaguar touchdown. And we'll see you next week. And-